I wanted to start with a thought from Jim Gaffigan. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, he is a comedian and has sometimes some funny takes on life. And he said this about on how kids perceive sleep compared to adults. Bedtime makes you realize how completely incapable you are of being in charge of another human being. My children act like they've never been to sleep before. Bed? What's that? No, I'm not doing that. They never want to go to bed. This is another thing that I will never have in common with my children. Every morning when I wake up, my first thought is, when can I come back here? <laughs> I can relate to that. It's the carrot that keeps me motivated. Sometimes going to bed feels like the highlight of my day. Ironically to my children, bedtime is a punishment that violates their basic rights as human beings. Once the lights are out, you can expect at least an hour of inmates clanging their tin cups on the cell bars. That <laughs> sounds like family life when the kids are small. Jesus, we've been focusing our attention throughout this year on who is this man. We come to Mother's Day, and it's very unique where Kathy and I are here to share together, and I'm here to support. She's got the best focus on moms being a mom and has been an amazing mother to our three kids and now grandmother to our five grandkids. So I'm here to support the dreams and visions and way that she has to communicate about it with all of us. I'm still thinking about Jesus and who is this man. And when he started his ministry, he was 30. And he, the first miracle he did was at a wedding. And at the party, they had run out of wine. And Jesus' mother was there and said to the people in charge, Whatever he says to do, do what he says. And he was like, this must be the moment to start what he, kind of the coming out of who he is and what he does. Mary, his mother, knew what he could do. And she really initiated this day one of his ministry uh, vision and beginning. And so Jesus said, you know, take the water and, and fill up the jars and he turned it all into wine and it was the best wine they say usually they save the worst for the last because by then people don't know the difference but <laughs> Jesus, <all> tipsy. <laughs> Jesus made this wine the best and he honored his mother like that was a mother's day moment where he he followed her you know leaning and then that being the first day of his ministry the last day when Jesus is hanging on the cross, his life, his ministry is framed by his mother initiating his, his ministry life. And then he's on the cross and his mother is observing. And that can only be excruciating. There's no way to even put that into focus, how a mother would feel watching her son be tortured in this way. And she's trying to grapple with all of this. And Jesus suffering hanging on the cross, the last words he said before it is finished was, woman, behold your son, and then tells John to watch after her, and he commits to do so, and took her in after this day to make sure that Jesus' mother Mary was watched after. So how amazing is that, that he could focus 
even from the cross, where he's doing this for all of humanity, but he's thinking about his mother and identifies the need that she be taken care of. So even this being Mother's Day, and we're talking about who is this man, he is the one for us still to get a, a ministry vision from and realize how important it is relationships are, and they have always been that way to him. So here we're going to kick off the first thought, seek a partnership with God. All the moms here today, we want to encourage you in the journey. Seek a partnership with God. The best thing one can do for a child is to stay personally in tune with God's spirit and with his wisdom. We need him to give us the help that we need to do what he's called us to do. The job is just too tough. It really is. You may think that you can handle it for a little bit, but eventually you will hit a rock and a hard place and it will be too great a challenge for you. God will see to that because he wants you to depend on him. He will make sure that it happens in your life. It happened that way in our life. And um, he will cause you to depend on him all throughout your life. It's a way of him causing you to draw on him. But don't worry about it because God has already chosen you to be the perfect mother for that perfect child. It's no one else's child but yours and your husband's. I think that's one thing that I rest in more and more, and I've learned more and more as I've gotten older, that that child was chosen for me to raise, just as Jesus was chosen for Mary to raise. It's a pretty crazy thing if you think about it. Wow, how would you like to have the responsibility of raising God? That'd be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? But God saw something in Mary that she would be great for Jesus. And God sees something in us that he knows the children that we're going to have before we have them. It says, I foreknew them before he ever put them in our womb. He knew what they would be like. And he put them in our womb. And if we stay in contact with God, I want to tell you this. You cannot fail because God will not fail you. That's a good word. That's a powerful word. You will not fail because God will not fail you. If you stay dependent on him, there will be a lot of other voices that come in and out of your ears. But God will lead you to the right sources. He did this for us when we were a young couple. We were very young and we didn't... We I were, honestly... We were, we were very young when we oh, had young. kids. I thought you said when we were a dumb couple. Oh. <laughs> You're that on was... my side, I don't hear well in my left ear, so... <laughs> That was possible too. Like, okay. Anyway, go ahead. I had never babysat before I had a child. Now you think of that. I wasn't one of those people that babysat. I did teach little two and three year old Sunday school class. And I knew I loved kids. So when we found out we were pregnant, I was like, yay, this is going to be cool. This is going to be fun. Woohoo. You know, I'd never changed a diaper. I didn't know what that was. And my mother came and stayed with me for about two weeks to show me what was up. 
I and remember here going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a terrible picture, but this is me nursing. Dear Jesus, this is my mother with my child's head on my breast. Dear Jesus, help him latch on. Help him latch <laughs> oh, on. We need that emoji, like. <laughs> One of the worst memories of my life. You know, that was one of those embarrassing moments you just can't forget, you know, like, and I'm like, dear, uh, this is horrible, you know. And the, one of those things that motherhood people never tell you about, that you just like, please, Lord, why am I so demeaning? And then I was like gonna show Rick one day, this is how you give him a bath. It's so much easier than putting him in the little crib thing. I just get in the tub myself with him. And this is all you have to do. So watch this, Rick. You can do this too. It's, you fix a nice bubble bath, you get in there, and then you pick up the baby and put the baby in the tub with you. And then you guys just take a bath together. It works perfect. It had worked perfect every other time. This time I'm showing Rick all the bubbles are in the tub. I take the baby, sit down in the tub. As soon as his feet... I'm handing him to her. <laughs> and his feet hit the water and he screamed. Like, I don't know if it was... I don't know what he thought. It was a I little baby. And he screams. And when he screamed, it brought force. And he, <laughs> he actually, like, pooped right in the water. Well, he peed first, oh, yeah. and then I grabbed him to comfort him because he was crying. He pooped all down the front of yeah. me. That yellow curd like, stuff. I, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm not going to try this ever in my life. Like, this is never going to happen. So. I'm taking, I'm like, take it back, take I'm it back. I'm laying on the floor laughing. I couldn't he even help. Just laughing too hard. And I'm like, why did we ever have a child anyway? My hormones are I running. I about you know? that. That's, that's a pretty good story. That was a, oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> those are those, you know, mother moments, you know, that you go, why, why did we have this child again? Yeah, okay. And, but you survive. You survive and life goes on. But to partner with God is a whole new level. We had three, three and under. And it was definitely a challenge. But when I partnered with God, a whole new thing happened with me. I found that I could handle the pressure in a new way. God would give me ideas of things that I had never thought of on my own. I began to put worship music on in the house. And it set a tone for me that I wasn't so crazy the kids didn't drive me as crazy because there was a nice worship tone going through the house. Even if the worship music was wild and upbeat, the kids would dance to it and play to it. And it was fun. It turned our home from my pressure was released because in the morning, I would write out my pressures to God. I would cast my care on him that way. I'd get it out of my spirit. And then, did I still have pressures during the day? Yes, sometimes. But I could give it back to him again and say, help me, Lord, get through this. And he would come and he would help me. It was a good thing. I would find so many times that he would take me through things in advance that my children might face just maybe a week or two later. It happened a lot. I might get an earache 
and not know what was going on with my ear. And all of a sudden, I'd get an earache. And I'd have to put maybe, I put olive oil drops in my ear when I get an earache. And it soothes it and makes it go away. I have an interesting ear. And I'd see maybe my baby just start fiddling with their ear. And I'd try, put a little drop in their ear. And they'd be fine. And I would have gone through that so that my child, I could help my child. Then when they got older, maybe it was the emotional thing. I didn't get invited somewhere. And maybe one of my children didn't get invited somewhere. So I didn't go, oh, it doesn't matter. Just kiss them goodbye. I would know how to empathize with their feelings and tell them, you know, I know that doesn't feel very good, does it? So you could be the mother that you long to be because God takes us through things in advance so that we know how to be loving, caring, and patient with our children. There's a couple of scriptures reading from the Amplified Translation. It actually adds some paragraphs or some parenthetical words that gives life to enhances really our ability to understand. So here's that from Isaiah 54, 13. And all your children shall be disciples taught by the Lord and obedient to his will. And great shall be the peace and undisturbed composure of your children. They're going to learn. They're going to learn from the Lord. He'll teach them too like he teaches us. We can understand that, yeah, we have a big responsibility to do our part in training our children but God's always involved in their life too. He loves them more than we. There's another one in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind and heart and your entire being and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you this day shall be first in your own minds and hearts. Then you shall wet and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate and teach them and impress them diligently upon the minds and hearts of your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Speaking about how God gets his word to us and that we can talk about him constantly and focus our attention on him. We have often been asked through life about how we handle devotions with our family and our kids get asked that too and now they've got kids so it's always a question what do you do for devotions in your house and it's really awesome when we hear people that have a very disciplined approach awesome you follow what God you know, calls you to do but there are many others that haven't found that path and I feel like our path might be an encouragement because our, we were saturated in church life our kids were often taught things about God at home. We didn't have a set uh, devotional moment. Hey, we're going to all sit down. Here's what we're going to do. There were times and seasons, but we never got into this habit that that's what we did continuously. What we did do is had conversations any time of the day that did focus back on God. So our devotions were in relationship to him. It's like we're going to talk about him in the morning or talk about him in the day, at night. That's Sometimes we get the feeling like we have to have this uh, 
specific regiment. And if it's not getting in our heart, yeah. that discipline is a good thing. But we need to make sure that the lessons are getting into our spirit. Yeah. And that's where I think we try to follow the, the path mm -hmm. of teaching our kids that way. It, it's kind of the question, is it a devotional or are you devoted? And it was just the question of, is God fun in their life? Do you make God a fun part of their life? And we tried to do that. Like, he's just relevant to everything. You know, when we had talks about sex with them as they got older, we were the ones that had that talk with them. And we told them, do you know what? God made sex, and he made it not just so you can have a baby, but so that you can actually have fun with your husband and wife. It's a good thing. He loves you, and he created it so you could be close and love one another. We told them about that. We told them he created this whole world so that you can go snow skiing or you could enjoy the water. We used to play this game when they were young. I would say probably five through 10, if that, that's not correct, but because <laughs> they were three, three and under, but in that, know, you know, in that what age. What you just said wasn't in the notes, so but, <laughs> I don't know where you're going now, but give it a go. But <laughs> we used to play this game when we'd be in the car and go on a trip, and it was called, um, how do you find God? You can find God in anything. And so um, we'd have change in the car, in the ashtray. And so it'd be like, how do you find God in the, and I'd hit the dashboard. Anybody know how you can find God in the, uh, the dashboard of the car? Well, in, in that car, it was kind of a fake wood thing. And so it was like, anybody know how you can find God in that? And it was, the answer was, of course, it's like a tree. And God made trees. Yes, and somebody came up with that, and they got a quarter for it. See what I mean? And there's like, then you go like, well, okay, anybody else? How can you find God in the fabric? Well, God probably made uh, the fabric. Did God make the fabric? He taught somebody to cut the fabric and stitch it. You can get a quarter too, okay. <laughs> you know? And we would just play the game, and they would have to come up with ways that God made things, and God created things. It could be outside. It could be inside the car. It could be whatever. But they had to come up with ways that God was involved in everything around us. He holds everything together, it says, and we just put him into our life in every way that we could, but we didn't shove it down them by giving them more Bible time when they went to a Christian school and they went to Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church, and then shove a little bit more. But we talked with them about the Lord every night before they went to sleep at night. How are you doing today? Was your day okay? Then we'd pray a blessing over them before they went to bed at night. He loves you. Are you doing okay? I love you too. Nurturing our love and the love of God over their life and trusting God to cover them. Here's a second thought. Focus on the big picture in life. Don't be discouraged by the daily challenges. It's really hard sometimes when something happens and it's distracting and it could be really heavy and a lot of pressure that feel like that's 
all of life right here in this really difficult moment. And we lose sight of the big picture. God has a plan that's very large and broad and over time. And sometimes that challenge, we're going to get through it. Don't let the challenge in the day seem like that's everything. Everything just imploded. It's a learning opportunity because we see the big picture. This is a temporary moment we're going to get through. That's one of the principles, too, in the scriptures. Isaiah 44 and verse 3. For I will pour water upon him who is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing upon your descendants. God has a big picture of what he's going to do even with our children. And they shall spring up among the grass like willows of poplars by the water courses. He's going to cause them to grow. And even the challenge may be a growing moment. Don't take it like the most devastating thing that will ever happen in life. It might be difficult, might be devastating in the moment, but keep the big picture. We're going to get through this and there's blessing on the other side of this crisis. I think that's something that we've held on to no matter what has gone on. We've had a lengthy life by now and been through a lot of moments in days that are like, wow, what do you do now? What do you do with this? What do you do with this challenge trying to raise a child? Keep the big picture. God has a plan. He's working out. And that setback is very temporary. Amen. I think sometimes as they get older, the looser we have to open our hand. You know, when you have a little two-year-old, you have to have a pretty tight grip when you're going across the street. You could, because that child can just run out across the street and, you know, be hit by a car. But when I'm visiting my 40-year-old almost son, I don't go, Nathan, hold my hand, you know, because you're going to, don't, don't, don't you, you could run out in front of that car now and get hit. You know, that would just be weird. It really would. You know, I, you know, I, and I didn't do that when he was 16 either. I didn't do it when he was 14. It's a progression of letting loose. Warn me next time. The way you did Sorry. that, oh. that really hurt. Like you got my ring caught up in Sorry. my, I'm having Tight to grip. recover. Sorry about that. You have a good grip. Thank you. Women are kind of known, though, for wanting to control situations. And if we try to control it in the natural, we, we will find that our children go right through our hands like sand. I'm telling you, they, they will fall right through us, and we will lose them. But if we open our hands in a hand up towards heaven to God. And we say, okay, God, this child is yours. I dedicated this child to God a long time ago. This child is yours. You love this child even more than I do, which we, we don't, we, we can hardly believe that. We can hardly con conceive of that. But God, I know you love this child even more than me. And this child, it came to me, it came through me, 
But God, it's your child. And you will not fail this child. You will not. You cannot. It's impossible for you to fail this child. So I give it back to you. And I hold them in place before you, God. Now you glorify your own name. Glorify your own self in this child. Make your name known. Make your name known. Cause them to stand in the sanctuary and give glory to your own son. We can pray powerfully prayers over their lives and see what God will do. It says when David was depressed, he would go back and recall the miracles that God had done in the past. And when he did that, he would remember what God had done. And then it would encourage himself in the Lord. All of a sudden, the depression would go away. And he would stand strong and not be afraid and not be discouraged anymore. And you know, when I would, times would come of discouragement to me, I would go back and even remember what God has done in my own life. There was a time for a few months when I was in high school that I was sad at God. I was discouraged at God because I was discouraged with my parents. I, I thought that my mother's rules were only attached for her image. You know, when we tell our children to do something and we tell them, we don't give them a reason that's for good, but it's only to make them look good. It can discourage a child. Like, we don't want you to wear those clothes. Well, why? Because they're, they're, they're not good? No, because you make me look bad if you wear those clothes. Well, unfortunately, that can cause rebellion in a child. And so we have to sometimes get over our own self and go, guess what? I did hear one lady give a suggestion once that said, let's make a deal. When you're with your friends, you can wear whatever you want <laughs> out of these clothes. When you're with my friends, could you wear what I want? And they made a deal. It was a pretty good deal. That worked good in their home. <laughs> but anyway, that wasn't the issue. But I had rebelled for a time, and because God was attached to my parents, I thought God was unfair, like my mother was unfair. But do you know the time that I had stepped away, God never stepped away from me. He talked to me. He reached for me. He spoke to me. He never let my, me go. So much it was never condemning. It was always with cords of love that could not be broken in my life. Yeah, that's how he loves every one of us, no matter what we have going on in our journey. It leads to this next thought. Treat your child with respect. Mm -hmm. Listen to them. There's a challenge sometimes when, as adults, and we have little kids, we can have we can get in our mind how much we know, how little they know. I mean, there's some obvious reality to that. 
but then we can treat them in such a way that's actually very demeaning and really big put downs. And even though this disparity of knowledge and lack of knowledge is obvious, how we treat them matters. And we can still treat a child with respect, whatever age they are, and particularly as they get older, become teenagers, and they're pressing the boundaries and the limits and having, you know, they're learning, having interesting conversations. We can have a challenging conversation and still express our thought and our leadership, yet make sure that they know we're respecting them and their opinion, and we're listening to them carefully and it's a really valid back and forth conversation. If it's just like my way or the highway all day long, we're going to lose that relationship because we have ceased to respect them as a soul. And that even though we might not believe in or respect their particular opinion, we still respect their person. And that's really possible. And I think that's not only for children, but in just life in general. When we try to reach somebody who doesn't know Jesus, it's through respecting who they are as a person created in the image of God. And we're not demeaning them because we know something they don't. And we make them feel like we have this superior position in life. That creates more harm to the cause of Christ than anything when we, when we place ourselves up above others. And that's really a critical, in my view, how it is with kids when you recently I mentioned how uh, Nate had called from LA wanted to get together with Trav his brother and me and the three of us spend a couple of days we rented an Airbnb in Carmel had a couple of nights we had the best time it's like a month ago the challenge was Lane was kind of ticked off because like why can't I go well it was just his idea for the three guys we'll figure it out we'll figure something else out but it was special to realize how much they still respected each other. Nate turns 40 next week. That's not cool that we have a child that age. But here at this age in life to see our kids respect each other, I think it comes a lot through we've worked at, you know, desired with everything within us to respect our children every step of the way. So that's just a thought, too, of how we, how we walk with our kids, even when we're in charge of things that they do. It's still with a spirit of respect, mm -hmm. respect them and what they're going through and how they're processing the thing we're asking them to do. We had a few codes and things as they got older. I remember having a system to try to help respect them when they got into high school. Like they would maybe go to work on plays or put systems like this together or things like that. But it might be a school night. And maybe they were 14 or 15, coming up 16 years old. And I had tried to teach them the concept of, I will teach you a lot of things. Your dad and I will both teach you a lot of things growing up. But you are the only one that can teach us to trust you. You're the only one that teaches us that. And you will do that by telling us the truth, always, even if it's not good truth. Like you feel like you're gonna get in trouble. And then we give them that leeway, 
by not going, oh dear God, I can't believe that happened, when they do tell us the truth and it's not good. Is that how you respond when they do that? Because that's how my mother responded, so I never told her anything. <laughs> I could go tell my father a few things. <laughs> he was okay. <laughs> never told my mother much until <laughs> till later in life. <laughs> you know, then, then she suddenly she had a history, and so did I. <laughs> we got older. Uh, pretty funny. Okay, but anyway, but the, where did I go? Okay, anyway. <laughs> Got lost there for a minute. Okay. The truth, telling the truth, and then also trusting them by being on time and things like that. Well, so we had this little code. How important is it for you to be there? Call us if you want to stay late at something, and we'll tell you if that's a possibility. But if it's super important, then you do it on a scale of 1 to 10 and we'll let you know. And so they would say, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the boy or the girl that, that they've liked, and all of a sudden this person has invited them to go with their parents someplace, you know, all of a sudden, something that was just a two is all of a sudden what? A 10, thank or, you very much. Or a 12. Or, <laughs> or a 12. Or a 12. <laughs> but it's all of a sudden the stakes have changed. And so they, they call and they say, you know, this person, well, I didn't know that that person was maybe on their radar yet, but the stakes have now changed to a 10. And I can say, okay, I understand. So, well, if they did that every single time, I'd clue in, right? So you can't, obviously it doesn't work, but those things helped us as parents and it worked good. We need to, we need to wrap up. it up with okay. this thought. Remember who you are, moms, remember who you are. You're a daughter of the king. This is how God thinks of mm -hmm. you, precious. You are loved by him. Please never doubt that, how much God loves you. This isn't a, about how we've done with our journey. This is about the fact that he always loves us without exception and without any kind of conditions. Then when we know how much we're loved, then you're able to love your children. It's like what Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We need to actually have that sense of security that I'm good with God and I see myself precious to him. Now I can treat other people with that. If I'm not good with myself, it's going to be hard for me to treat those around me well. You're a really precious child of the king, a daughter of the king, and he loves you beyond measure. Don't doubt it. Don't let the enemy plant any other thoughts. And through that, you have it within you to love your children around you in such a special way. There is a verse in Isaiah 49:16. And it's the amplified version. And it says, behold, I have indelibly. And I didn't know what indelibly meant. So I looked it up in Webster's. And it says, stained marked so that it cannot be blotted out. I have imprinted or tattooed a picture of you on the palm of each of my hands 
God has put a picture of each of us on the palm of his hands. It can never be blotted out after we've received him. And it was actually, in essence, a prophetic word talking of the nail prints that he would bear when he died for us on the cross. They can never be taken out. No one can ever remove it. It is what he has done for you and what he has done for me. And it can never be removed. He has saved you from your past, your present, and anything you might do eternally, even in the future. Maybe you came in here and you feel like a failure as a mother this morning. Maybe you had an abortion in your past. It's covered in the blood of Jesus. That life is in heaven sharing in the presence and the goodness of Jesus. It's dancing around the throne of God. It's in beauty beyond measure. It's in glory that child weeps no more. And you no longer have to weep for it. You are a daughter of the King. And don't rehearse the sins of your life. Rehearse the goodness of God over your life. Declare this morning, I am a daughter of the King. He can lift up his hand anytime he's thinking about you and see your precious face in his hands. Gentlemen, this goes for you too. Anything you've done, the things that you're ashamed of, he's covered you with his blood. It runs down his fingertips, runs down his arms, and he sees his own blood over your life. And he only smiles when he sees your face in his hands. He cries out, I love you. I cover you with my blood. I paid the price for you. It can never be removed. It can't be removed by something you've done. It can't be removed by anything you will do. I've paid that price. Now, receive it. Receive it unto yourself and thank him for it. I have that verse in my book of my precious verses. And then I have John 3.16, which we rushed through so much. And I personalized it and I said, the king so loves me that he gave me his only begotten son that because I believed on him, I will not perish, but I will have life here, and then I will have life everlasting. Write these Let's out. Pray for that. If you want to receive that today, yes, pray Jesus. for that. When you pray this prayer, 
If it's something new today, take the card that's in the seat back in the house. It says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Take it to the lobby and we'll give you a Bible on this day. You can mark the date. Never forget it. It's a day of new beginnings. Online, you can text the word Jesus, the name Jesus, to 916-884-5756. That should show up on your screen. And we'll send you that Bible too. But let's pray for this miracle. Receive his grace. Receive his love. The smile that he has when he sees you is real. Father God, I thank you for your love for us that you sent Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you came. That you love us that much. Right now I acknowledge my need of you. And I acknowledge your sacrifice that covers me. And I ask you to forgive me, wash me, and cleanse me. Thank you for your pure blood that cleanses me from all that's ever gone wrong, everything I've ever done. Thank you for covering my sins. So I accept that gift of life today, and I put my trust in you, and I want to get to know you. I want to follow you. I want to live with you forever. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.